3: so much in the past years from the pandemic. My my life actually got pretty much totally turned upside down in 2020. So now I'm just on the way back from that. I've also seen Boston change a lot since I I moved here back in 2008. Um, I work in addiction, so seeing like a big increase in problems with homelessness and addiction in Boston. Uh I feel pretty hopeful actually. Um I've just seen a, a lot of positive movements in the area, a lot of grassroots movements, a lot of people getting involved and wanting to make positive change and working towards that. So I am hopeful that um that will make things better for the people who live here. Previously in Greater Boston,
4: thought you were coming home to her.
2: I watched the scene unfold like it's in slow motion. A thief named Philip West. And he stole something from me, and now he's stealing it back. They
5: took the ball!
6: Off we go. I can do the funding. The underground it is.
5: train
7: tree PBT third side Peabody. media oh, right. uh, the really underground, underground. So Hanson
6: Mattapan trolley line guys i don't know i'm from Horror border station former headquarters and
0: finally Now you could tell
6: everybody i'm trying
0: this is this is
6: this is greater boston
4: this week in greater boston episode 40 Over, under, around, and through.
6: Phil ran to the rendezvous point and waited, trying not to look like someone nervously glancing behind himself whenever he nervously glanced behind himself. He gripped the paper bag and pretended like he was a
4: street drunk, taking fake sips and wheeling his head from side to side. It
6: was cold
4: he imagined the alcohol would
6: warm him. No. Alcohol may give the feeling of being warmer, but it's merely illusionary. Do you think Phil knows that? Stay out of it. He thought of Michael Tate, a known
4: alcoholic. How bad could this life be? He'd like to try it for a day. Why not? The absence of responsibility sure beat the form he was employed to enforce. Even if, no... Especially if it was all just a sham. Interesting. What's
6: in that bag? What's he doing here exactly? Wouldn't you like to know? Phil felt good to be above ground. He spent most of his time in between tunnels, fighting crime in the form of being a bodyguard for the few rich fuddy-duddies who could afford Redline's spacious new luxury apartments. His contact had told him she might be a while, depending on how everything went. His... Contact. I can't see who that is. Neither
4: can I. Frustrating. Interesting choices Phil has made recently. I'll have to speak to his uncle about that.
6: Yes. And given these choices, it seems as though you don't quite belong here, do you? I... I still think
4: Phil is in play. I can... I can still make out the words. He He slipped... Slipped... Slipped Slipped something? Slipped something? What did he... Oh, he's about to look inside...
6: There. That's better. Phil tugged off one of his gloves and palmed the crystal ball through the bottom of the bag. Oh. That's who took it. Took me. Again. He opened the bag at the top and slowly reached inside. I wonder... I wonder what it feels like. He'd been instructed to wear gloves when he first stole the ball. At his uncle's requests and again by his contact, the ball emitted a soft glow. His bare hand reached towards it when...
2: What are you doing?
6: Oh, uh, hey.
2: You're here. Yeah. Here, uh, here you go. Thanks.
8: Thank you for believing in me or something. These days, I really don't feel like I'm doing much, you know? Much of anything good. And I know this doesn't absolve me or whatever, but I'm glad I got to literally undo something I did. And sorry I took it in the first
2: place. You should be. Look at this hangdog piece of shit. He actually looks earnest. He also looks rough. Unshaven. Bags under his eyes. Police uniform under his jacket is wrinkled. Except, do you really feel like you're a cop?
6: Not in
0: the slightest.
2: Yeah, I never did either. And the weirdest thing about that was, I wasn't sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Imagine cops who feel right at home being a cop. Would I want to feel that way? Not on your life. But...
8: But it'd be nice to feel right at home, wherever that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, about, uh, our arrangement?
2: I'll put in some kind of good word for you with Louisa. Yeah? I can't promise it'll help. And she seems three octaves deep into Opera Man at this point, so there's that, too.
8: I know I shouldn't waste my time, but it's about more than that. I really don't like her thinking I'm only the worst version of myself.
2: Uh Uh-huh. I know what you mean. Phil nods, turns, saunters away. I've never noticed how he walks before. Unnaturally stiff. Tense. Like a robot trying to impersonate a cowboy. Like he's always waiting for the other shoe to drop.
6: Phil feels lighter than he has in weeks. Months, maybe. He needs to get back to his shift as a beat cop for the RLPD. He remembers his shoulder radio is turned off. He clicks the receiver on and listens to the dispatcher squawking in his ear like a fast-food drive-in employee. Something about a vandalized, high-end wine-and-paint shop in a red-line Big Red? He sighs. Back to the grind. Still in play, then. I think it's time we check
4: in about our little arrangement, young Mr. West.
0: Dear Editor of the Underground (laughs) Boy, that's a mouthful. Have you ever said that out loud by any chance? Have you, Sir Editor of the Underground, ever walked into a room and announced yourself in such a fashion? Have you said, Greetings all, it is I, the Editor of the Underground. Try it sometime and see if it feels natural. In case it wasn't clear, I'm obviously writing it in response to a previous letter to the editor from September 13th, which addressed you with the following innocent greeting. Dear Underground Editor. If you recall, you ignored most of the content of that letter and instead launched a bloated, the sore-stuffed, all-out attack of vocabulary explaining why your title was not Underground Editor, but rather Editor of the Underground. I believe the content of that letter was not even fit for publication. It was about one of those popular new pizza places that break into your homes. But, in any event, I take issue with you publishing this letter for the sole excuse of using it to admonish someone for the innocuous offense of merely not referencing your title in such a grand fashion. Make better choices. Engage with your readers and viewers with a touch more respect before you have neither. Sincerely, The Grand Countess Dame Pauline Delillo of the Stark Valley Mystery Book Cryptorium.
8: Uh-huh, yeah, no, I don't think that counts. When I think garden level, I think sub-basement. You can still see outside, and the vibe I want more is like like a speakeasy, but for news, you know? News that literally explodes from the underground. <laughs> of course not literally, although it's not as if that hasn't happened to me before. Did you see my election day coverage last year? Oh, well, hey, maybe we could use the tubes. Do you have any properties with tubes?
9: Can you sign my time card, Mr. Octagon?
8: Mr. Octagon? <sighs>
9: Can you sign my time card,
10: editor of the underground?
8: Of course, Penny.
10: It's Jamie. I'm Penny. God, this
9: place.
8: Of course, Jamie.
10: Yeah, thanks. The West
9: Files are on your podium or whatever that is.
8: It's a standing desk. You young people, you'd think you'd be able to break out of your stuffy office norms. But no, you all want boring old desks with swivel office chairs that are bad for your backs and leave you suffering with carpal tunnel and... Oh, damn. Yeah, Marvin... No, no, no. A basement. Something in a basement. What's going on with Filings' basement, anyway? That's been closed for years. It's a Legion subsidiary headquarters? They built a high-rise there? Wow, that was fast. We could probably run a story on that. Does the building's shadow hit the common? Heard there were some rules going on about that. Hang on a second. You're still standing here. I wasn't done. Well, by all means, get done. You have a call on your podium phone. Standing desk. You use it as a podium when you... Address the troops, as you put it. Excuse me, are you my biographer? I don't pay you to narrate my actions. You
9: barely pay me at all.
8: Never mind that. Who's on my podi- office phone? I don't know, Penny answered it. Penny, who's on the other line?
3: Uh, he said his name was Andy?
8: Marvin, I gotta run. Give me a list of all the basement properties to rent. Yes, to rent, Marvin. Christ, the day I actually invest in land that's literally underground will be the day I go to my grave and make sure it has central air. Is he still on the phone?
10: I don't know. Man, that was like 10 minutes ago. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I asked her to.
9: And I tried to, but you were yammering away about your garden-level evil journalism lair, so... It's
8: not an evil lair, and it's not garden-level. And where did I drag my desk... What?
1: What are all these files
8: doing here on the floor?
1: You asked that one intern to put them there after there wasn't enough room on your podium. It's not a podium. You use it as a podium. That's the point of a standing desk. It's multifunctional. You can stand and do work, and
8: some of that standing work can be a speech. To the troops. Yes. Do you object to my use of troop, Nicole? Troop. Noun. Slang for soldiers or armed forces. This troop is
1: seriously about to go AWOL. This place is a mess, and you keep hiring interns. You don't
8: hire interns so much as ask them to enlist. As a troop. A news troop. And I
1: only did that to deal with all the mess. Hasn't it occurred to you that the interns are more work, not less? They come here for training, which you don't have time to give them right now, especially when you ask them to spread your files around the floor so you can use your news senses to help guide
10: which story to tackle next.
8: Oh, right. That's why I asked Jamie to do that.
10: You asked me to do that, not Jamie. Thanks, Penny.
8: Alright, I landed on this file. There we go. That's my next story. Plans for a Red Line Aquarium. going to fill a train with seawater? That doesn't seem like a good idea.
1: Neither does deciding your journalistic direction by literally falling on files.
9: Mayor Bespin, do you have a second to talk about- We heard reports you've been a victim of a misinformation campaign.
5: Leave me alone, you ink-stained vultures. Did
9: someone steal something from your husband? Was this
5: the lottery? Are they back?
7: Or was it members of the Wonderland community? Mayor Bespin, I
5: have an eyewitness account that your husband was furious. Stop. Say that again. Who was furious? Um, oh, uh, your husband. My husband was furious. Can I use that on the record? Say it again. What? Slower. Your husband was. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. Again. Slower. Much slower.
9: Your husband was. Stop.
5: Slower. Your husband... I said slower. You have a mind of a turtle, so speak like one. Um, uh, your husband... Again. Your... time.
6: Your husband.
9: <sighs> Mayor Bespin, please.
5: Say it. Say it and I'll give you a quote. No, what?
9: No thanks, lady. I've got plenty to work with here as it is. Uh, I'll say it.
5: Yes. Yes, please do.
9: Your husband, Ethan Bespin.
5: Yes. He's my husband. Your
9: husband. Ethan Bespin.
5: He is. How does he feel about me?
9: Your loving, adoring husband. Ethan Bespin?
5: Yes. On our anniversary.
9: Oh. Uh happy
5: anniversary? It's not. Oh, well, uh happy un Anniversary? It's not happy. Unhappy anniversary? I I've no, been I such know. a fool. Like- I thought Ethan wrote me and asked me to put on my wedding dress. I actually believed it was him. I didn't even question that it wouldn't be him. Of course it was him. Of course he wanted to see me in my wedding dress. His red-line bride. Why wouldn't he? Of course... I wanted to believe that he wanted to see me like that. I wanted that so much. But it wasn't him. Of course it wasn't. It wasn't.
9: Your husband, Ethan Bespin.
5: I'm sorry. Um, what untrustworthy periodical do you represent again?
9: The Underground.
5: Clunky name, if I've ever heard one.
9: Uh... Thanks. I, uh... I named it.
5: Yes, of course.
9: Why does it sound familiar? Uh, Well, uh... I've done a a few stories about your administration.
5: Stirring editorials about how I stripped off all those nasty railroad barnacles and made the city into a desirable destination for successful investors?
9: Yeah, uh... In a sense.
5: Who would do such a thing?
9: (laughs) Well, it's, uh... It's my job. And uh, I'm also part owner, so I like to say I'm literally invested.
5: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about me. Who would send me a message telling me to wear my wedding dress, asking me to meet him on the platform? He, the look in his eyes, he was furious with me. Furious. He didn't. Even... he didn't say...
9: Mayor Bespin, uh... Can I ask... Did... Someone actually steal something from him?
5: I don't know. Possibly. Some trinket, I suppose. He was so concerned about that... He didn't even notice that I was... That I was standing there... In my wedding dress... On our anniversary. When he looked at me, it was like he was thinking, this was all my fault.
9: I am sorry.
5: What did you say?
9: I said I'm sorry.
5: The Underground. Wait, The Underground? You mean the local TV show with that word-mangling ignoramus? Uh, what's his name? Clint Trapezoid?
9: No, it's, uh chuck octagon
5: that's the man you work for this
9: octagon more i don't know with than four but if you yeah, know if you ask chuck he'd probably disagree <laughs> that's just the way he is but yeah yeah we are um...
5: everything i told you is off the record do you understand me everything uh, uh, yeah okay yeah, okay Okay. You sick little parasite. You diseased little maggot. You tricked me. You wormed your way into your information like a... Like... Oh,
9: oh, oh, but, okay. I mean, if you're not comfortable, Mayor Bespin, you have my word. I won't print anything at all.
5: Your word. I've read your words, oh, heard your words. Uh, They're poison. But... You defame me for no reason than because you have some buddies squatting like lowlife scum in an amusement park of all places. Am I wrong? I mean... We've done our numbers on you. We've tracked your movements. We know you're in cahoots with those terrorists. The
9: terrorists? Uh, I'm sorry, who are they terrorizing?
5: Me, for one. They literally attacked me, tricked me, and they stole from my husband. That's why you're here, after all, you thick dullard, to report on their deceit and treachery. Not that you'll bother to do that. And just like they stole from my husband, you stole the words right out of my mouth, no doubt in an attempt to twist them for your own sick, nefarious, defaming purposes. Yeah.
9: Hey... Um, forgive me for bringing this up, but have you ever considered that maybe, maybe terrorism goes the other way too? Hmm? The things you and your administration have done scared so many people. You made the city too expensive to live in, but also made trespassing illegal, so people coming just to go to work feel like outsiders. They literally have to sneak in to do their jobs. And then, if arrested, those people are forced to work for free due to the Red Line Labor Initiative. For a person trying to get by with a family, how can that not be terrifying?
5: These people broke the law. They resisted order. They think they can make up the rules because they don't like the ones that exist. That's not the way it works. They signed documents. Mm -hmm. Contracts. That makes it so. That means something.
9: Sure. Uh, A contract. An agreement. Yes.
5: Documented.
9: Confirmed. Ah, like a license.
5: Exactly. Like
9: a marriage license. Yes. What? Oh, just... I'm sure you signed one. You and your husband. Ethan Bespin. These things should mean something shouldn't they
5: get out of my sight
9: I uh, <laughs> well for what it's worth I, I, I meant what I said I won't print a word
7: dear pompous chucklehead I notice you spend a good deal of your reporting time defining words what the hell show do you think you're on Sesame Street? Hey, here's some letters. F.U. Knock it the F off. Try reporting the news, not your fucking ABCs. Sincerely, Sean from Brockton. Wyndham Hotels and
6: Resorts makes travel possible for all.
8: This listing you just sent me can't possibly be properly zoned.
1: Right on cue. There's
9: my backup. Tate, hey, did you score any good
8: quotes from Bespin? I talked to her. Good.
9: But we can't use any of
1: it. Bad. I took a couple of photos when the whole thing went down, though. Michael will be able to write a solid story based on eyewitness accounts. What's
8: the point of getting FaceTime with the mayor if we can't use any
9: of it? Uh, she stressed it was off the record. Like,
8: can we massage some of her words so that they're maybe somewhat a little more on the record?
9: The underground has to have integrity if we plan
8: to stand out. Well, No matter what we publish, Bespin thinks we're public enemy number one, so I don't know why we're bothering tiptoeing around her awful administration.
9: Yeah, I don't see it as, uh tiptoeing, just just an alternative. Our reporting is based in fact. We're not a mouthpiece for her, but we're also not hellbent on taking her down. We're not? I mean, we report the truth, right? The reason she hates us is because we hold up a mirror to what she does, not because we take advantage of what she says.
8: Yes, yes, yes. Integrity.
1: Oh, speaking of which, this office could use some of that. Structural integrity. I'm
8: glad you brought that up. I was just on the phone with Marvin Cornwall about securing new office space. Space that's literally underground.
1: That's not what she's talking about, Dick. (sighs) Look, I'll be blunt, because I have the least to lose. Chuck, you have great strengths, but managing a newsroom isn't one of them. This place is chaos, and you need support.
9: That's preposterous. You're fired. Okay. Later, all. Wait! Wait! Louisa? Louisa? You're rehired. You work on my dime after all.
1: Take. Thanks, boss. By the way, the meeting with the financial planner is next week, and you really need to make sure you go. It's on my calendar. No, it isn't. It'll be on my calendar. I'm putting a reminder on my calendar to remind you to put it on your calendar.
8: This is touching and all, but I have a newsroom to manage. To mismanage, you mean?
1: I agree with L.A. Chuck, you're a fine newsman, but you suck as a managing editor. Who do you guys have in mind to help out? Well, mm,
7: I know you told me to wait outside... But I require immediate shelter. The SPF level on my sunscreen was far too low for the amount of radiation my skin is currently absorbing. You? you. Wait, him? This guy?
9: Uh, He has experience. You know he blackmailed me, right? We caught wind of
8: that, yeah. Oh. You hadn't informed him yet? Sorry. (sighs) Isn't your name dumbfuck or something? Freed friend. What?
9: Freed friend... His name is Fried Friend,
1: But but he used to be dipshit.
9: And before that, it was Extinction Event. A- and before that, it was Panda Bear. Don't forget Earthman.
1: Wow.
8: This is the guy you picked to come in and run our shop? He can't even decide his own goddamn name.
9: Uh, 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 counterpoint? Uh, Not only has he decided about his name, he has decided several times. Tate, I swear to God, that logic is rolled gold level pretzel. Very decisive.
8: Let me ask you this, Double F. I've been thinking about changing my name. Legally and professionally, in honor of my husband, Andy Wood. I think Charles Wood has a nice ring to it. What do you think? Should I
7: change it? Absolutely not. Your name is part of your brand and a winning aspect of the Underground's market value as an extension. And although it is unique to the point of bordering on the ridiculous, it is also absolutely unforgettable.
8: Yeah, unforgettable. Kind of like you. Okay. Tell me one reason why we should hire
7: you. Because I can say no, and you can't. What's that supposed to mean? You're a people pleaser. You love saying yes, taking on new challenges, even though you're never completely aware of what the cost will be, of what you're up against. You're an admirable optimist in that regard, but when difficulties arise out of that optimism, you focus on the next task, the next yes, so you don't have to deal with the consequences. I will say no when needed.
8: This feels like a trap. If I say yes, I prove you right. But... But? But. Yes, you're in. It's Tate's time, after all. I'm still head editor and co-owner, though, so French Fried works for me, even though he's managing the office. Deal? It's Freed Friend. Say it right. Touchy.
1: Yeah, well, after months of being called fake somebody and years of being compared to the Fonz, that'll happen.
8: Oh, Tate, before you go figured you might want this info. It's from a contact who says she may know something about Oliver West. It's very vague, but since we asked about it, I figured I'd let you have it. Hmm. Providence.
1: Thanks. I'll follow up. Want some company? Sure. I'll put it on my calendar.
7: Michael. Louisa. Thank you for bringing me into the fold.
1: I'll see if you still want to thank us after you work here a week, Freed.
8: First of all, have you ever written a letter to an editor in a newspaper or magazine?
3: Uh, No, no, I've never written a letter to the editor.
8: If you had to write one or wanted to write one, what do you think it would be about?
0: To bring more collaboration um, and more understanding, especially Mm. into the education aspect um, in the city of Boston.
9: I would say how much high schools are are separated from great higher education academic institutions in Boston.
8: Yes, but I had to. So there's a there's an asterisk there? Like it was an it was a it was a class assignment. Yes.
4: What was do you mind if I ask what it was about? It was in high school. So no. Even better. <laughs> it was probably about like, was legalized legal as marijuana.
9: <laughs> that that counts. I occasionally write the pitch web the the pitch emails for fanbite.com when I'm high and it's late. And I have a deranged video game opinion. There was like a historical fiction book published a while back that just directly stole stuff from Legend of Zelda Wikipedia article entries. And I think that could get me to do it. This is, I was like
8: 14, so I didn't even drive, but I wrote a letter to the editor complaining about how
9: difficult this one traffic circle was... I I, I pitched them a piece on, like, Mr. Peanut. None of them get accepted. Or if I'm just reading, like, oh, this is, like, a historical fiction novel, and then it's, like, in the kingdom of Hyrule, and I'm like, whoa! Whoa, bud! No, 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 no! That could get me to do it. Uh, My pitch was that it's been a year since Mr. Peanut died, and what the fuck has happened? Mr. Peanut grew up into an adult again. I got really mad at Mr. Peanut over 2020, 2021. And they published it, <laughs> and, and I felt... Amused
8: and vaguely horrified because I talked about how hard it was to drive and the first question
9: I got from people was, how would you know? And then he was a baby peanut and then there was a teen Mr. Peanut and then they very quietly, oh yeah, no, he went through phases of life. He went through puberty.
8: Yeah, but I'm also really, really good at complaining so I came up with something.
2: You brought in Freed? Sure. Well, how did Chuck react? Priceless. Listen, I need to run, but, um, have you thought any more about meeting Phil? I know, I know, he's a piece of shit, but he helped me with something recently. I don't trust him either. But, you know, bring Michael. Hell, I'd come with you to make sure there was nothing funny going on. I just wanted to say... I think he's trying to grow a conscience. Okay. Yeah, just think about it. And when you see Charlotte next time? Thanks. And tickle Monty's chin for me? Yeah. Bye, Lou. Just you and me now, ball. Just you and me. I can feel it in my hand through the bag. I jeez, mean, listen to me. Of course I can. It's weighty. It's crystal. It feels like a candle pin bowling ball. But there's something else, too. A certain kind of warmth radiating into my hand through the paper. A kind of comfort I haven't felt since that day in Redline. There was a light then... A sense of clarity, cutting through all the chaos. Helping me to stand up and talk to strangers, tell them what to do. I got a lot of that from Charlotte, honestly. But it made me feel like I was capable of more that day, when dickbag Phil stole this from me. This stupid thing I used to fantasize about destroying.
6: I... I've lost my sense of place. I'm still tethered to thousands, millions of thoughts, too many to process right now, but I'm also floating. I don't know where I am. I don't know who I'm with.
2: I shift the bag into my left hand and begin to tip it, letting the ball roll into my right. I prepare myself, wondering what it'll feel like. Wondering what I'll see.
6: There's a calming quiet I haven't felt in a long time. I think back to when I was dead, a thought so strange I can barely force myself to think it in coherent fashion. I was alive, then I wasn't, and then I was something else. And in those early stages of being something else, there was no knowledge of what I was, so there was no knowledge of what I could do. An infant ghost, too used to being human to understand what a spirit is capable of. Like an infant, growth and learning happens at a rapid pace.
2: That vision I saw the day I was fired, of me, Charlotte, Monty, together and happy, I wanna see that again so badly. I need to feel connected to them, right now. I don't care if it's a memory, I don't care if it's the future. I need to acknowledge that this feeling has existed, can potentially exist again.
6: I'm thinking of a cover letter I once wrote, days before I died. It felt so good to write it. I felt so assured, knowing what I was, how this job fit me, how my qualities were a good match, even in the ways that didn't make sense. I considered how unfit I was for a position editing astrology magazines which is frankly a generous term for Third Sight Media's turgid publications, and found qualities within myself that made me reconsider. Because I don't believe in superstitious nonsense, I would be the perfect choice to edit superstitious nonsense. The brush of confidence I felt in that, to know oneself so thoroughly.
2: Time slows down as the ball slips out, suspended in air. Between my hand and the brown bag it's emerging from.
6: And yet, my confidence led to this, an existence defined by that which I desperately desired to rewrite. I have become what I longed to edit.
2: think for a second of letting it go, letting it fall to the ground. Not because I want it to break, not anymore.
6: Ever since I heard those first words, clear as my own thoughts, I thought it was my mind, Grappling itself to dream logic sentences in a feeble attempt to cling to life. The comfort of a firm decision made.
2: More because I'm so sure it wouldn't break. I'm so sure it can't.
6: But then, no. They weren't my thoughts. They were in someone else's voice. Not
2: unless I wanted it to.
6: They were in your voice, Gemma.
2: But then I'm panicked, not wanting to risk it.
6: Well, she thought.
2: Without thinking, I reach out, palming the ball in midair so hard it stings.
6: There's one decision made, at least. And? And?
2: Nothing. Nothing. How can it be nothing? How... How can you not show me anything? And, I, I need... I need this to be worth a damn... I need it. I've wanted you back so badly, like a chunk of my entire identity has just been severed and lost. And I finally get you back and there's silence. You've got nothing to say to me. You absorb the energy of other people like it's a goddamn body snatcher. But me, you're useless as a rock. Don't you understand? I haven't felt like myself in such a long time. I haven't felt right in years. You stupid fucking ball. You know, the day I was fired was the first good day in a string of terrible ones, and I thought it was all because of you. I thought you brought something out in me. And then you were gone, and I was so desperate for you to be back because I convinced myself that if you weren't here, I wasn't either. And now, now that you're back, I realized it wasn't you that I needed. It wasn't you I was fucking looking for. You're a goddamn glob of cheap crystal, and I am so much more than that. Hello, Gemma. Shit!
6: Please, try not to drop me. The sensation gives me migraines.
2: Uh, sure thing. Voice?
6: Leon. Leon's Stamos.
2: Right. Leon. <laughs> Even though I knew this was coming, I can hardly believe you're really here.
6: I imagine you have questions.
2: A fair amount. But for now, just one can you show me what you showed me that day I quit Third Sight? That image of me and Charlotte and Monty? That feeling I used to get whenever I held you? Just like now. Like being alone in your thoughts and just actually loving what you're thinking for once. Or not minding it for once. Just Letting yourself go. Letting yourself out without judgment for once.
6: I'm sorry. I cannot.
2: Sure. Sure, right. Of course. But... But I can. I can.
6: You can. It's called scrying, I believe. (laughs) ha.
2: I wonder if that's... If that's just a coincidence?
6: Coincidental to what?
2: God. Charlotte. Monty, I miss you both so much.
6: right. I imagine like many great things, the similarity is indeed coincidental.
2: You know what I was thinking the other day? Just sleeping next to them, knowing their bodies are there, tossing and turning, adjusting the pillow, the type of thing I never thought I'd miss. They're dreaming peacefully, blissfully far away in some mental fabrication being so close to someone and not close to them at the same time the comfort in that the mutual trust it's all so useless until you don't have it until it's gone
6: you could go back to them at any time
2: no not yet (laughs) I have work to do (laughs) I have work to do, and I need your help. Will you help me?
6: Probably. Yes. Yes, this is a good feeling. Being back with the person who was meant to carry me. But I'm going to ask for something in return.
2: You're a spirit and a ball. What could I possibly give you?
6: I want you to help me reunite my family. My siblings. And then... I want you to allow them to set me free. Allow them to break this ball. And let me find peace. Final, quiet peace. Can you do that, Gemma? Gemma?
2: Sure. I think so. But not until you help me with Redline. Deal?
6: Yes. Yes. I believe it is.
4: Greater Boston is created by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with help from T.H. Ponder's Bob Raimunda and Jordan Stillman, recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. This episode was written and sound designed by Jeff Van Driesen. This episode featured Brayden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, Alexander Danner as the narrator, Michael Melia as Philip West, Lydia Anderson as Gemma Linzer-Coolidge, Claire Lopez as Pauline, Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, Rocky Goldman as Jamie... Gabby Hall as Penny, Kristen Mercurio as Nicole Fonzarelli, Lowell Fleming as Reporter 1, Jordan Kalina as Reporter 2, Sam Musher as Emily Bespin, James Oliva as Michael Tate, Cornelius Moore as Sean from Brockton, Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez, and James Capobianco as Freed Friend Paletti. Charlie on the MTA is recorded by Emily Peterson and Dirk Teedy. On Questions of Responsibility Act 2, Golden Rivers, and Points Act 3, and Message for Garcia by Lloyd Rogers. You could support Greater Boston on Patreon at patreon.com slash Boston.
9: So anyway, uh, I also wanted to say um, a little bit of something about uh, corn. It's uh, a big lump with knobs, and it has the juice. Yeah, it has the juice. And I can't... Imagine a more wonderful thing. Yeah, it's corn. I can, um... I can tell you all about it. So...
0: The Fable and Folly Network. Where fiction producers flourish.
10: Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears. Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a podcast which combines the art and beauty of classic literature with the fun of Dungeons and Dragons roleplay. These episodes are led by me, Kate your Master Teacher, which is Dungeon Master meets High School English Teacher. We take on quests in these fascinating worlds, meeting and adventuring with the greatest literary characters of all time, solving puzzles set up by the dubious Dr. Frankenstein.
7: One eye is over there, and the other eye is rolled over there. Exactly right.
10: Hunting Moby Dick alongside Captain Ahab. (laughs) I've rolled a one. Are you rolled a one! Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a faithful yet irreverent way to interact with the stories which have influenced us for centuries. Plus, it's a much more exciting way to experience literature than writing an essay. Essays don't have swords which burst into flame, or poop monsters hiding in toilets. Anybody got some poop for me? A new episode of Of Mice and Men and Monsters is released every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts.